Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Say glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We worship you tonight. We thank you tonight. Heavenly Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this room and every person watching online that tonight, according to Colossians 1, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they all would have a walk worthy of you fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work. Now strengthen us all with might by your spirit in our inner man as we increase in the knowledge of you. And everybody said, amen. I just wanted to say hello to our online audience. We love you. We're so glad that you have chimed in, joined in, and you are in for a blessing tonight, every one of you. So uh, my husband and I, you know, we have... Bible time in the morning <laughs> with our coffee. And uh, I've been getting up and praying, and the Lord's been showing me some stuff. So I just, you know, I just preached to him. And then after three mornings of preaching to him, he said, do you want to preach on Wednesday night? I'm like, I can. I'm just sharing what God's showing me. He's like, you better get up in that pulpit while it's hot. I'm like, he's like, I'm not sure I want to wait for you to a couple months down the road. So praise the Lord. Amen. So, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to say this that there is, I wanted to talk tonight on James 5, the prayer of faith, because I've been dealing with that, and we've, people have been sick, and we've been praying over people, and uh, things like that, but um, I wanted to share with you some things God shared with me and put on my heart, so can you um, turn that fan on for me up there? It's hot in here. I don't know. I need the powers to be maybe to turn the AC down just a little bit. The powers to be to know, that know how to do it. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I wanted to, to share this with you because I was praying and the Lord showed this to me. He said, and I want this to be something that you really take to heart. He said, the way I treat my church when it comes to healing is different than the way I treat the world and baby, baby Christians. Because sometimes we have questions, you know. We really have questions, and we want to learn. We want to know what works. And, uh-oh, someone needs to go turn that fan on. Praise the Lord. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, she found the booby trap. <laughs> okay. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm glad, I'm glad she's okay. We beware, stay away from the stage <laughs> while Justin's working on it. Amen. Y'all know how to turn the fan on? I got it. No, we're good. We're good. All right. <clears throat> I guess I caused more trouble than it was worth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we got a circus and a pony show for you tonight. Amen. <laughs> and then we've got the Word of God. So, praise God. So, James 5, I wanted to read this to you. Anyways, what the Lord said to me, he said, the way I treat the church in healing is different than the way I treat the world and the way I treat baby, baby Christians. And so he took me <clears throat> to Mark 16, and you don't have to go there. I'm just talking. If you're fast and you're good, you can go there. But Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's talking to us. Go into the world. The world is not the church. Go into the, all the world. I mean, we are in the world. We're not of the world. And preach the gospel, right? And it says these signs will follow those who believe. Yes. These are those who believe. Now, signs are supposed to be following you. Yes. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Yes. You absolutely can 100% have the faith to cast a devil off yourself. Yes. That's where you need to start. Before you start going around casting the devil off somebody else, learn to cast the devil out of your home, off yourself, sickness and disease, and say, Satan, get off me in Jesus' name. Now, where I got a revelation of this is in um, Luke 4 when Jesus walked into Peter's mother-in-law's house and it said that they made request of him concerning her. She was sick with a very high fever. Now, if you don't study and meditate on these verses, they don't become real to you. 
but I meditate on these verses. And Jesus told me in John 14 that the works that he did, I'll do also. And greater works than these will I do because he goes to the Father. So there's certain scriptures in my Bible I read and I really, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with this guy. So I read them and I, y'all can <laughs> turn me down if I'm too loud. I read them and I study them. So they made requests of him concerning her. Peter, mother-in-law, lying in bed, sick of fever. They didn't say why she had a fever. Fever is a symptom of something much worse going on. Something else is going on in your body. A fever is just a sign that something else is not right. There's inflammation. There's a disease. It's just, it's just a symptom. And I want you to t pay close. This is free, but I want you to pay close attention to what I'm about to say to you because it's very important in this time it says that she was just sick in bed with a very high fever well you know that's not a good thing to be sick in bed with a high fever so they made request of him concerning her and it said in in Luke it says he went over her went over there if you put all the gospels together it says he went over there he laid his hands on her he touched her and he rebuked the fever when you rebuke something, like a little dog telling it to go home, get out of here, go home. You're rebuking it. You're commanding it. You're saying, no, you won't do this. You go do this, right? You know what a rebuke is. And so it says he walked in there, laid his hands on her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. Didn't say what it was the cause, but it says it left her. So obviously that fever had some kind of ears, not ears like you and I, but it heard his command. It heard his rebuke, and he's Jesus, but he said, I can do the same thing he did. So he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and it says she rose immediately and ministered to the whole household. You cannot minister, you cannot be, you cannot do the works of Christ like you were told to do in Ephesians 2.10. For I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that I may walk in them. How can you walk in good works when you are sick, lying flat on your back with a high fever? This is just how I tick. This is me getting a hold of scriptures going, how can I walk in the works that Jesus has prepared beforehand, before the beginning of time for me if I'm sick in bed. And when I saw that verse about him rebuking the fever, it says he rebuked the fever. He laid his hands. There's more than one way to be healed. But in this case, he laid his hands on her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. Amen. And immediately she rose up. When you rebuke a symptom, you might not know what is the cause of that symptom. If you get a pain, if you get a headache, if you get something that just hits you, you don't always know what it is. I don't suggest that you go looking for what the problem is on the Internet. Because everything you look up on the internet, you will have everything, okay? Every, many symptoms are tied to many different things. Things are just not right. So I'm telling you that because I did that, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. But I'm telling you tonight, put your eyes only on the Word of God. If you've got a fever, go ahead. You want to take an aspirin? Take an aspirin. But at the same time, if you're going to take an aspirin, don't just take an aspirin or ibuprofen or whatever it is you take and then just plop in bed and go, I'll be good. I'll be good. That aspirin will do me good. No. Take the aspirin and lay your hands on yourself. You foul fever. Get off me. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. You have ears and I have authority over you. And so if you get a pain in your hip, in your thigh, in your head, in Jesus' name, you get off me and the root cause of it. That's what I say. I learned that from Dr. Varallo. When she prayed for people, she would say, I rebuke this whatever symptom and the root cause of it be gone from me in Jesus' name. I learned that from her a long time ago. That helped prevent me from going to the Internet and looking up the root cause. So that was a good fix for me. Amen. But tonight, I'm saying let's go to James 5. Let's look at something that's very important. And I'm going to say some things tonight, and I hope I don't offend anybody. But it's just kind of the spirit of the world. It's what we're in right now. But I, I want to talk to you just from the Word of God standpoint. Amen? Amen. James 5. Are you ready? James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Now, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, if a person is on three different types of medication for three very serious conditions, would you deem them as suffering? Yes. 
If you are coming into this church and you're on three or four different kinds of medications for some very serious things, if I were to take those medications away from you, or if we were not able to get them anymore from China, which a lot of them are coming from China and the Philippines, okay? Let's just hope yours comes from the Philippines. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that we may not be able to get stuff from China, and most of our drugs come from China. But what I'm saying to you is that if you're walking in here and it's, there's no condemnation, I'm trying to prove a point. If you're walking in here, many times you're walking in here and people are hugging you and looking at you and the medicine is maintaining. It's stabilizing you enough for nobody would know that anything is going on with you. And you're not about to go around and go, by the way, I have this, this, and this. We know that. But what the point that Jesus was making to me in my prayer time is that if any of you are walking in here on three different types of medication for three serious conditions, you are suffering. Because if I were to pull you off that medication, you'd number one die or you'd number one end up in the bed with high... Who knows what would happen? That's why you're on them, is to help you, right, in that sense. The Lord said to me, what does it say after that? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, I am telling you that if you are suffering, the very first step is for you to pray. And not oh, God, help me with this. Please get rid of this for me. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you pray. You fellowship with God. You, for you, there are certain things that are, are connected with your case that nobody else can get for you. And they're connected with you. There's adjustments that might need to be made. I, I, can't, I can't get all that with you for you. You can call it in. You should call it in. The Bible says to pray for one another. We do that all the time. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for one another. But the first step, he said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You go in your chair in the morning or in the night and you say, Lord, there's a condition here and I don't like it and I need you to speak to me about any adjustments I might need to make in the natural or spiritual or what, and I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost until I get an answer, until God sends me the answer that I need for myself. That's what I wanted to make important tonight. If you are suffering, the first step, you pray. Don't call everyone else to pray on the prayer chain. And someone told me this week, they're like, I just sent it to the prayer chain. They'll take care of it. And I said, that's good, and they're going to pray, but you pray. Y'all need to speak up. I was nice. I said, that's great. They're going to pray, but you pray, Joe. You pray. It wasn't Joe, but you pray to protect the guilty and the innocent. I will change names all the time. You pray. Amen. I don't know if we have a Joe in this congregation, but I ain't talking about Joe. So the truth is, is that, and I told them, you pray. You pray, and God will show you. And then it says, is there anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If you're happy and cheerful, don't come. It's so weird to come up to me and go, I'm so happy, I'm so cheerful, sing a song for me. You would not do that. You would not do that. If Liz was happy, she wouldn't go, Pastor Lisa, I'm so happy. Would you sing such and such a song? I'm like, no, Liz, you sing. You sing your own song." Right? And so why then we do, do we do that with prayer? Surely you pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through a hardship. I'm going through trouble. I'm going through... It's fine for me to, to ask Shirley to pray. But not without me praying too. I'm praying with her. Really what I'm wanting to get is her agreement. And I'm not just going to sit down and go, Oh Lord Jesus, help me. And then I go get my popcorn and... and Many times we don't feel good and we're still watching stuff and we're not spending time with God and we're just barely hanging on with aspirin and ibuprofen and, and you know, motetrexin and gisotrexin and all these different drugs while we give the prayer team our prayer request. But the Lord said, let him pray. 
Let her pray if you're suffering. Now it says, is there anyone sick among you? Now, that's the next verse, 14. I haven't studied this out as far as I want to, but I had, is it up there? Is anyone said, let them pray? Okay, so the next verse, 514. I shall go in my Bible to it. Thank God for the Bible. Amen. Is anyone among you sick? It has been said that that word sick, kolim, C-H-O-L-I-M in the Hebrew, is more like a sickness of something that just keeps lingering, that you just can't seem to get rid of. You can't seem to get, you need some help. It's not necessarily, I sneezed, so now let's go tell Pastor Lisa, call for the elders of the church. That's not, it's talking about if you're sick, you're sick. And you just can't seem to kick it. It's, it's lingering too long. That's kind of what that word is talking about. Kind of like with the pandemic, right? Okay, I know underlying conditions are not making it easy on anybody. But, hallelujah, there is an answer and there is an antidote. Is anyone among you sick? Let who call? Let Pastor Lisa ask and beg people to come up for prayer every Sunday. Please, if you're sick, we'll come. And that's fine. I'm not belittling that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for people tonight. Because if you respond positively, it's just because I'm preaching on it. And faith will be there for you to be healed. But what I'm saying to you is that it really is saying that if there's anyone among you sick, let him or her call us. Do you know how many times we've been called in 31 years of pastoring? Do you know how many times we've been called? Do you know how many times that verse has been actually obeyed by someone? Two. Two times. Now, we've had prayer lines, and we anoint people with oil. Like I said, if they respond positively, they're coming up, be prayed, prayer of faith. We'll save the sick. So I'm going to do that tonight. But... Really, we need to look at the way Jesus set it up. Yes. He said, if you're sick, let him call. Why? Because that's really your first faith step that says, I believe that if I'll call the elders of the church and let them pray over me and anoint me with oil, the Lord will raise me up. Because that is your first faith step that says, right. I believe that this will work. Amen. So... I'm not asking you guys all to individually call me tonight after I go to bed. I'm just saying that if we just read the scripture and do what Jesus said, the way he said it, we'll get more results. Amen? Amen. So there we go. Has anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and then let them, the elders, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let's go on. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, we're going to talk in a minute about the anointing oil and why, okay? And we're going to talk about some things before and after that. But I will tell you this, that the Holy Ghost is good. When you pray and you fellowship with him, not just have a relationship... But when you fellowship with him every day, he will speak to you. So in this pandemic, many people are not wanting us to come over because of the pandemic and because their doctor has told them to quarantine. Uh, okay, I, I want to come over and I have tried to come over, but um, I'm you know what, I just let people make that choice. You know, I put it out there. Only two people, which I'm so happy, there have been two people during this time that have allowed us to come over. And uh, we told them, we told them, we'll put our mask on, we'll put gloves on, if, that is, if that's what makes you feel comfortable. But I'm telling you that if you'll let us come over and anoint you with oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick. You just hook up with us. And so this one person said, come on, I want you. I, they, they were pretty severe. They didn't make it. They hadn't made it to the hospital yet. They were having respiratory issues. They're like, we, I just don't want to go. I'm going to try to weather this out. 
but we want you to come over, you and your husband. And they let us in the house, and we prayed over them, anointed them, uh, this person, with oil, and this person is doing great. Not, not because of us or our power. It's because we just happen to obey that verse. Just, you know what? We need to stop as Christians and Americans being so logical. Well, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to use oil? I mean, what is that about? Why can't we do it this way? Why can't we do it that way? You know what? If Jesus is talking to the church and he says, is any sick among you? Not among the world. He's talking to the church now. Is anyone sick among you? This is how I would like you to do this. Let them call for the elder. Let them anoint them with oil. And I'm going to tell you what the significance of this oil is. It's amazing. So we went over there. We anointed them with oil. And they're doing great. And I just got a report. They're up. They're walking over two miles a day. Believe me, they were, having, they were on their back, on their couch. They probably just came out there and their, you know, and their kids and whatever family helped them to get out so we wouldn't have to walk in the bedroom. But I'm not afraid. I, I just can't not go, you know, the Bible just doesn't work in this situation. I can't do that. Not after reading John G. Lake. <laughs> Not after reading after people that have a spirit of faith. And if the Lord keeps bringing something up in me, I finally called them. And I said, hey, you're not in the hospital yet. Can we come over? They're like, come over. Amen. And they're doing good. And then someone, last week, I was on my couch. And my Lord said, call so-and-so. And ask them if you can come over. I'm like, they're, they're going to say no. They're, they've quarantined themselves. They're going to say no. And I gave the Lord every reason in the book why they're going to say no. Lord, you know this person. You know this person. And I know them. And, and this is the way they're not going to let me in the house. Why should I keep calling and people keep saying no? And he kept, he kept on me. He kept on me. I said, that's it. That's it. I'm being obedient. I'm going to call them. The worst they can say is no. <laughs> Another no. I called them up and they said, Wow. That's a funny thing that you should call me up. I was wanting to call you, but I was afraid because I have quarantined myself and I was afraid you might not come because I do have it and I've had horrendous symptoms. I said, well, that's why I called you because the Holy Spirit said, let me come over. I'm going to anoint you with oil and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to get it. You just don't have to worry about me. Just let me come in and anoint you with oil. And I'll, I'll bring a mask. I'll bring gloves. You know, whatever. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, and I didn't have to wear gloves. But um, I did wear a mask. So, so what? But I did what Jesus told me to do. And I believe that they're recovering. And that God's raising them up. Amen. And I explained to them, which this is just recent, what I'm about ready to explain to you. So it says, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So back up a verse, Jennifer, to 514. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. That's the prayer of faith, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So let's talk about why we do this. Is this a fetish? Is this just a religious <laughs> Uh, you know, ritual where I draw a cross on your head, you know, with oil. I mean, we might draw a cross on your head because we believe in the blood of his cross. You know, what else you want? You want me to pour it? If I pour it, then it's going to run out and maybe. So we just do a little bit. But here's the thing. Why use this? So let's talk about why we would use the anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. This is what I just, just turned me on. It just fired me up when God showed me this. Amen? So, I am going to read to you a few verses. And Jennifer, I gave you like the last half. So if, you, if something doesn't sound right to you, don't worry about it. You just wait until I get to one that I gave you, okay? Exodus 49, 40, verse 9. You can just write it down. Don't try to go there. And you shall take, now this is the Old Testament. And you shall take the anointing oil. And you shall anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hallow it and all its utensils. And it shall then all be holy. Amen. It shall be holy. Yes. You anoint it. You basically, 
And then it says, um, Psalm 89, 20. I have found my servant David, and with my holy oil I have anointed him. The word anoint means to set apart, to sanctify and to cleanse. That's what it was used in, in the reference of the Old Testament. It means to set apart, to sanctify and to cleanse. We have been consecrated unto God. And I'm going to show you why the Lord can raise you up if you've committed sins. I'm going to show you why that verse says that if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him because of the anointing oil as a symbolism that we have cleansed and sanctified and set you apart to his holy purpose and work. Now, now that's important that you consecrate yourself, you understand what that oil means. You've been set apart. We're a covenant people. We don't get to do what we want, say what we want, go where we want, call the shots like we want, because we've been set apart for the work of the Lord and what His will is and what He wants. And His purposes and His plans are far greater than ours. And we have to trust him for that. But that oil in the Old Testament, when they had to pour it over all the, the stuff in the tabernacle, it was for cleansing and sanctification. Then it says, I found my servant David with my holy oil. I've anointed him. Then 1 Samuel 16, 13, which I think I gave Jennifer. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Talking about David. Now listen to this. He took a horn of oil and he poured it over David's head. It says he anointed him. He set him apart to be king, to be commander-in-chief of the Lord's people. And it says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Good job, Samuel. Samuel went to Ramah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, amen. But here's the thing. Now listen to this. 1 Samuel 10.1. Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? You shall consecrate them. I don't know what verse this is. This is uh, Exodus 30, 29. 30 verse 29. You shall consecrate them that they may be holy, most holy, and whatever touches them must be holy. So in the Old Testament, he anointed the priest, he anointed Aaron, he anointed his sons. They were consecrating them to service for the Lord. And whenever the oil, olive oil, and there were other things, cinnamon and myrrh and different things of good smelling things um, mixed with it, whenever that came on them, it was, it was a symbolism of you are now cleansed and you are sanctified. That's in the Old Testament. But in the, in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, it said that when they anointed David, the Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward. So really, the anointing oil is two things. It's setting you, we anoint you, we're setting you apart. We're consecrating you to the Lord. Any, and that's why, that's why in the Holy Spirit, it symbolizes a working, a work of the Holy Spirit to actually manifest on you, and in this case, in your body. Now, you might say, well, I have the Holy Spirit, same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Well, I know you do, but He's not manifesting outside your body right now. Don't, don't get logical with me. Don't, you know, don't get analytical with me on this. If Jesus said, if Jesus said, anoint them with oil, anoint them with oil. It means something to Jesus. It means something to God. Listen, God is not an American. He is not in our culture. He is not a part of the faith camp or the Baptist camp or the Methodist camp. We, we've been called by a lot of different things. God does things his way. So if he tells you in James, which is a pastor, in the New Testament, in the epistles, if he says, I want you to anoint them with oil, because it symbolizes, it's not that there's power in the oil, but what it is, it's a symbol for you going, they are consecrating me and they're cleansing me. Amen. Consecrating me and cleansing me. And that's why. And then the Holy Spirit rushes in like he did on David to do the work. Amen in your body. 
That's how you need to see the anointing oil. And that's why it says in James 5, 15, it says, uh, where does, what does it say? It says in the prayer of faith now, we'll save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Amen. Why? Because we just sanctified you. That's right. We just cleansed you. We set you apart as holy. And when we did that in obedience to the word of God, anything that you've done, anything that you've done, God says, it's wiped away. And now his Holy Spirit can rush in and do the work that it needs to do. And he says, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, your faith with mine, the prayer of faith will save the sick. It means it will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Well, what does that look like? If you would meditate on that verse, what does raising you up look like? If you're in the bed and you're not feeling good, I want you to imagine yourself being up around the house, cooking, cleaning, doing the work of the Lord, not living life for yourself, but doing whatever he asks you to do, even on a daily basis, going, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to pray? You know, what, what do you, who do you want me to talk to? That's what I mean. I'm not saying that you're all supposed to be behind this pulpit, but I'm saying that every one of you have a call. Every one of you have been consecrated unto God. Every one of you, Jesus is expecting you to ask him, what do you want me to do? In my sphere of influence, what am I supposed to do? And, and he will show you. He will bring that up in you. That's what means, it means by being consecrated and being set apart. That when that oil is, is put on you, that you're being set apart for holiness. Amen. And when, when that happens, there's no reason for him to say no. Amen. Amen. That's why he said, if you've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Because you've set yourself apart. Amen. Now... There are other ways to be healed. But tonight I'm talking about that. I'm talking that we don't do that a lot. And I just, normal haze just ringing in my ears. My brother and my sister, my brother and my sister, if we would just obey the Bible and do what he said, we'd get the results that the Bible said we would get. You know, and so I listened to that years ago when I was a young girl before I was ever married you know, to Pastor Daryl. And I never forgot James 5. I never forgot that. And so tonight, you know, we're going we're gonna to pray f- for you if you want to be prayed for. And because you respond positively, it's like you calling for the elder of the church. It's absolutely fine. I was just telling you earlier, only two people in the course of 31 years has actually called us first and said, we're going through a tough time. We need, we need some help kicking this, anoint us with oil. And this happened to one particular person. I'm going to say this is about eight years ago, six to eight years ago. And they're still here. They're still here. And they had stage four, da-da-da disease. Stage four and on their way out if something didn't happen. But they're here eight years later or six, whatever it is. I don't have all the... I don't remember everything. Praise God. Amen. And they're growing in their faith. I just, I'm going to believe that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's go on now. James, there we go. Confess your, oh no, here it comes. Confess your trespasses. This is on the tail end, guys. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So there's one final step in the process. Well, you do need to forgive. If you have aught against anyone, forgive them. Just let it go. You're not saying it's okay. You're letting it go for yourself, and you're letting God take care of it. God said, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. I'll vindicate. And he does a very much better job than we do. So let him have it. Let him have it. The only reason you have aught against someone most of the time is because they're hurting you and only loving people, the people you've loved. Have that ability, really, if you allow them. But some random person out there that, you know, flips a bird at me, I don't care about that. I don't know them, you know. I don't have aught against some random person that flips birds at me or shouts out the window of his car on I-4. I don't care about that. It's the people that are close to me that have wronged me or hurt me. Because you thought they loved you, you know, or whatever. So you just, if, if you have aught, anything, Amen. 
So confess your trespasses to one another, and I'm going to tell you a story. And uh, pray for one another that you may be healed. Always pray for one another. If you know someone's sick or someone's hurting, take time and pray for them. Because you're allowing that river to flow out of you, which the same, he, the sower sows the seed, works in every instance. Whatever you sow comes back into your life. If you sow prayer into another person's life, someone is out there sowing prayer for you and on top of you and in your life. So, man, sow prayer. He said, pray for one another that you might be healed. When I was going through sickness about eight or ten years ago, I was just praying for everybody because I want to be healed, you know. And I started praying for people at the grocery store, and I was so weak and sick myself. But the minute I started praying for them, I felt better. You know, it's just crazy. And I'm not here to tell that testimony tonight, but I've got a good one. But let's talk about confess your trespasses to one another. You do not need to confess a sin that you did to someone else to me. It's none of my business. But you do need to confess your trespasses to that person. If you know you hurt that person and if you know that that person knows. I know you didn't want to hear that tonight, but this is a part of the James 5 healing process. So... I'll tell you a story of me because I can't tell one on you. This is what pastor says. I'll tell about me because I can't tell about you. Uh, quite a few years ago, I was going through something, and my body just couldn't kick it. And the Lord said to me, did you, did you confess? He showed me that verse. It popped up in my spirit. Confess your trespasses. Did you confess that trespass to so-and-so? Like, no. Uh, me and you are good. I've asked you to forgive me a million times. He says, we're good vertically, but you're not good horizontally. It's a cross, people. It's not just one way. I ask God to forgive me. I mean, we're good. He says, we're good, but you're not good with your brother or your sister. And I'm not healing you until you get it right. Because this is the way I roll in my body. You're going to walk in love. You're going to love me with all your heart. And you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you want, if, if it was reversed, would you want them to be, wouldn't you want them to come and say, you know, I hurt you. I'm really sorry. At least clear it up. I said, yeah. And I'm sorry to tell you I didn't do it right away. Because this is what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, why? Because we're good. This person and I are good right now. Everything's good. Why bring up something that happened in the past and confess this trespass out loud to them and ask them to forgive me when we're doing good. There's no outward evidence that, that they're not good with me, you know? And um, he says, but you never really actually came out and told them face-to-face, eyeball to eyeball, I did this to you and I'm very sorry. Or I felt this about you. It was more like that. And they could feel that, and they carried that. He says, it doesn't matter what they look like to you right now. It doesn't matter that you guys are jiving and everybody's good. As it was a member of my family. He says, I told you to go confess that trespass to them because they're still carrying it deep inside. There was never that resolve. He says, we're good, but you're not good. And I'm sorry to tell you, it took me, I don't know, a couple months before I did it. But when I did, when I actually said, okay, how, do you, how many of you know that if you just let the seed keep, if you keep watering it, if you'll be humble, just keep going back to it, and you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then, he'll, then you'll, you'll let him work in you. So I went and told him, and didn't want to bring it all up again. It was painful. But I said, you know, I'm very sorry. I did this, and, you feel, and they're like, thank you. Thank you. That, that blessed me. And then that started the huge mending process in me. It wasn't long. I was back up on my feet. So that's what I'm telling you. James 5 is for the church. James 5 is for the church. That's what the anointing oil means. It's consecrating you. It's setting you apart. It's, it, it's, the, it's a conscious symbolism of the work of the Holy Spirit manifested to come in your body, make everything right, and to be able to raise you up when all else fails. Amen? And so it's work. I know it works. I've seen it work. 
So before I pray for everybody, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11 because I got a little bit of time. 1 Corinthians 11. What about um, Acts 10.38? This is a free one. I'll throw it out there. How God anointed, set Jesus Christ apart. He was the sacrificial. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect example of someone being set apart, right? Yes. To do the work of the Father, yes. right? So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So he anointed him. He set him apart for a work. And then in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, it says, He who has anointed us and you is God. Yes. He's anointed us. But we have to walk in that. Amen? Yes. And we have to do things the way God wants us to do them. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, and we'll talk about that horizontal piece of the cross. Amen? Yes. Well, honey, it looks... It, uh, Praise the Lord. It looks like that AC belt has already broken. <laughs> we were a little bit late because it's a little bit warm in here. All right. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're not going to hell? Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't even know where 1 Corinthians 11 is, but she's got it. There she goes. I just might read a little faster than her. I don't know. She's pretty fast, though. Thank you, Jennifer. You're doing amazing. So uh, I told her, verse 17. Let's start with verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but really for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there's also must be factions among you. That means contentions that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So what he's saying, first of all, are, is the church walking in love with each other? There's divisions and there's factions or contentions. There's arguments. There's strife. And he says, this is something that I'm, I, I do not approve. And this is right before they're getting ready to take communion. <laughs> Therefore, when you come together in one place, he's talking to them. This is a particular instance that happened. You're, you're coming together in one place. It's really not for you to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one's hungry and another's drunk. What? Don't you have your own houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I shall not praise you. What he's saying is that the way they did it in the book of Acts, the way they did it many times is they came and they had a meal. But they all were supposed to sit down together, the poor, the hungry, the needy, and the rich. All of them were supposed to sit down at one time and have the meal together. Not people come in before and eat and overindulge and drink and be drunk by the time it's ready to take the Lord's body and, and drink of the cup of his blood. So, so then you've got people coming in that are hungry. There's no food left. These people are drunk. They're just being disrespectful and very unloving. They're not waiting for one another because this is a very important thing that they're about to do. For I receive from you, from the Lord, that which I deliver to you. And then it goes and talks about communion. Take eat. This is my body. Okay, we, we, we're going to skip over that. Then verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So many years in denominations, they said, you know, don't, if, if you've got sin in your life, don't eat the bread and don't drink the grape juice in the denominational churches. I, I used to be in one. So they're like, you better examine your heart. You better get that sin out. You better forget. And you should. And you should confess sin. You should understand what you're doing. But they were calling that the unworthy manner. But really what Jesus was talking about here, or Paul, was that they were not walking in love horizontally to each other. They were not waiting. They were, they were fighting. There was divisions. And they were not walking in love. And so then it says, Therefore, let a man examine himself. Then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For who he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not understanding or discerning the Lord's body. So there's two 
I mean, the, the scriptures are multifaceted. They're multi-layers multi, multi uh, in the scriptures. When it says not understanding the Lord's body, number one, it can mean they're not un you're not understanding what the Lord did for you. Yes. You're not understanding right. that his body was broken for you, so your body Amen. does not have to be broken. Amen. On the other hand, you're not understanding the Lord's body, the body of Christ. Yes. We are his body also. And so I believe it's two, two or more dimensional here. We're not understanding what Jesus did, the sacrifice he made, what that body means. Is, this is, take heat. This is my body that was broken for you. My body was broken, so yours doesn't have to be. And then he's saying, you're not understanding the body of Christ and the way you're treating. They're, they're a part of me, and you're treating me like dirt really is what he's saying there in that instance. So then you go on and it says, for this reason, verse 30, many are weak and sick among you, the church, and many sleep. That means prematurely sleep, premature death. They die before their time. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Let, let, me, let me say this. You need to let God take care of his body. You don't know everything. You just don't know everything. And there's things going on. And when Pastor read that verse in Ezekiel Sunday morning, if there is a righteous man, a righteous one, that keeps committing sin over and over and over, habitually, and you do not warn him. We're not talking about a sinner, folks. We're talking about a righteous man. It said it on the screen. If there is a righteous man that keeps committing sin over and over and over and over again, they know what they're doing. And you do not go and warn them of that sin. That man will die in his sin. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Lisa? I I don't know 100%, but I don't want to find out. Is he going to hell or is he going to be walking around in a brown robe outside the pearly gates for the rest of his life in the sand dunes, you know, in the craters? I don't know. I've read all kinds of stories. But what I'm saying is that I don't, I don't want anyone to die in their sin, especially someone who's among us that you know that they're doing wrong. Go warn them. Are you going to get a spit back? Probably because they've been caught. You're shining a flashlight on sin, yeah. on darkness. Let them yell at you. Let them scream at you. But Jesus said, Ezekiel said, that God will take the blood off your hand yes. since yes. you warned them. Yes. Amen. And if you, the, in, in James, it says, if, if you turn a righteous man for the error of his ways, you know, your love covers a multitude of sins. That's a big deal. You don't have full-time security once you, you know, Jesus is not a life insurance plan. He's just not that, and we've treated him like that. So let's go back to James 5, because I do want to pray for people. And so I don't know what happened to my husband. He disappeared again on me. But uh, I just did not want to. But uh, Miss Teresa, she can come up here with me. She's fine, or she can go get him. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, is he? Okay, praise the Lord. Hello. What's that song? Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> Hello. Yes, honey, it is you I'm looking for. Come on down. <laughs> praise the Lord. So I want to go ahead and pray. If there's anyone in here, if you have anything going on, I mean, don't put up with it for a single second. I will go so much and so far as to say this. If you're on medication, you're sick. If you're on medication. I'm not, I'm not talking about taking vitamins from the health basket. I, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> keeping your energy levels up. I'm just saying, if, you, if you've got some conditions and you're on medication, you're like, well, I feel pretty good. If you're on medication and I were to take your medication and go into your bathroom and take it out, you're sick because you're, you're needing that to help you feel good, to maintain balance or, or whatever it is in your body. And they do the best they can. They do, doctors do not heal you. 
they cut and they assist and they use drugs to try to help balance a very unique system that was created by God. So, you know, for starters, the healing process will begin in your body by just, number one, consecrating yourself to the Lord and whatever He wants you to do and humbling yourself before the Lord and praising the Lord. Your body responds to praise because you were created to praise. So if you just did those three simple things, it is an effort. You have to actually do them. Faith without works corresponding action is dead. So I didn't even get to James 2. That's okay. But if you don't respond when the word of God is being preached or when you read something, respond by a corresponding action. It it could be just like, Lord, I receive this. Lord, I make this adjustment. That's called a response. That's called Abraham. It says that faith, he was accounted for righteousness, not just because he had a lovingly trust for God, it's because he gave his whole self to God. That word believe means to by live, to live by. He lived by that covenant and God saved his son. And so that's what he's saying by, you know, if you say to someone, you're, you know, if you see someone who's destitute, they don't have food, they don't have clothes, and you say, go in peace, be warm, be filled. That's no faith there. Get them some clothes and get them some food, you know? Amen? So, so that's what he means by faith with your works. I'll show you faith. If you show me faith without your works, I'll show you faith by my works. Not works to get in the kingdom of God. We're not talking about works like that. We're talking about action. Put action to your faith. So like tonight, if you have medication you're on, if you have a, a sprained ankle or something, I'm just saying corresponding action. Get up here. We will lay hands on you. You will be healed. I will tell you. I will tell you. Go ahead. Let me read a scripture to you. And she covered this briefly, and I'm going to go back on something. One of the things that helped me with tithing, we shifted, was once the first 10% holy, the 90s holy. Now, what happens when you tithe, if you eat it, Satan has access to the 90. Did you know that? But once you consecrate the tithe to God, Satan has no access That's to your good. checkbook. That's good. Now think about your bodies. All right. Now, now, now think about your body. This is what he's saying to you. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and, and body. So what, what anointing with oil is saying is, I'm separating my body to you. It's his house. His house don't need to be sick. He lives there. But what you're doing is you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm separating myself unto you. When you do that, you're giving him access to the 90. You know, once you give him you, he's got access to the house. He's got keys to the house. If God moves in with you physically in your house, everything in your house is going to change. You're going to have granite countertops. You're going to have, ask me how I know. You're going to have nice carpet. The toilets are going to work because God lives there. I found out that anything you give him, he changes it because he don't like junk. Your body Amen. Look at him and go, take this thing. He can fix it. He made it. He can fix it. Amen. And that's what basically anointing you with oil is. The moment the oil hit David. The Spirit of the Lord came on him. The Spirit of God came on him and made him king. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're going, well, here's flesh. And the Old Testament, they would not allow anyone to anoint the common man. And you could not anoint yourself if you were a common man or woman. They only would reserve that for the kings and the priests. Right. And what does Revelation say? You're we king have been made kings and priests unto God. unto God. So we are that and we can be anointed. So it's also your way of going, Satan, you have access on this body. You get off of me. So, so that's basically what you're doing. Because I've said So my you're picking up the you. phone going, elders, pray for me. Yeah. And I like something else she said. Let's go back over to it. 
a lot of times we'll get a common cold or something. And, and you can call for the elders for that. But really what she said, she said Hebrew. It's okay. It's Greek. The, the Hebrew word, it, 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 the word there is Hebrew, kolem, C-H-O-L-I-M. It is? It's a Hebrew word. Hebrew in, in the New Testament? Uh -huh. It might be. It is. All right. It might be. I don't know everything. Just saying. But <laughs> now what was I going to say when you interrupted? I don't know. He told me my philosophy was off. But the anointing, the anointing oil breaks the yoke. Yes. It breaks it. Yes. And so it's your way of using your faith and going, hey, mm -hmm. I've been anointed. So he says, you call. When you're calling for the elders of the church, yeah. it's, and this is what I was going to say, yeah. a lot of times things linger. And this is where you need to go. My faith's not there. Like when I was in the hospital and my appendix were ruptured, I was full of gangrene. Honestly, my faith wasn't there. You know, I've dealt with stuff before, but not being completely full of gangrene. This is a little bit bigger than my faith can handle right now. So I, I picked up the phone and made a phone call and said, I need some prayer. So nobody came and anointed me, but and I will the say, same thing. I would like to say this, that in your defense and, then in, and not in your defense. First, in your defense, you know, because of the state of the American church as a whole, this man preaches a lot on taking responsibility. You write for yourself. Get in your own Bible. Feed yourself. You know, get your answers from God. Don't come up every Sunday asking for someone to pray for you, and you're not going to go home, and you're not going to do what you need to do for yourself. You understand that, and we preach that a lot, who you are in Christ. You need to know that. You need to know your authority because you can't call for us every single day, right? you got to be a devil, get off me in Jesus' name. You need to know that, and this man preaches this like all the time his whole life, but in saying that, I think maybe in now, in your defense, that you hear that so much that you might sit here and think, you know, I really need to, I really need to be working on my own faith and getting this on my own. I can do this. I've been taught this. I can get this on my own. I can believe I receive and I shall have it. But listen, and maybe some people get embarrassed, like, well, maybe I shouldn't go up. You know, I should be farther along than this. Pooey on all of it. If Jesus said for us to do it, and that's why I'm talking about it. It's, it's pride to say all that, you know. But maybe we have, maybe we have uh, encouraged that atmosphere not knowing. But when we say sometimes you need help and it's okay to come up and be prayed for and to be anointed with oil and, and hook your faith, what you've got with ours, because we've got faith, that the Lord will raise you up. So. And you do need to get your Bible out. Yeah. You do need to meditate on scriptures. You need to make them yours. You still need to do that. Even if you get anointed with oil, to you need to go it. home, to take the lesson healing. tonight, take the scriptures, yeah. and meditate them and get them in your soul. Amen. And I'll just say this is the last thing before we have anyone that wants to come up. I'll say, anybody want to be prayed for? Anybody just raise your hand. Come on up. Come on up and stand. Three, and stand on either side of the pulpit so we can still see the people that haven't come up. I said this to this person that I prayed for, the most recent person. I said, use this as a point of contact. Use this scripture, the prayer of faith. I'll get up here on my soapbox. I said, use this scripture as a point of contact. If Satan, everybody listen, if Satan comes against you and says, oh, you still hurt, oh, you still have a little bit of pain, said, no, Pastor Lisa came over to my house on such and such a date at such and such an hour, and James 5 says this, I called her to come, and, and this is how you take the word for yourself. I called her to come, and the prayer of faith, she laid hands on me, and she anointed me with oil, the, the set apart, the set apart, I sanctified, I cleansed myself, and she anointed me with oil, and the prayer of faith has saved me, not as going to, and it has raised me up, and I believe that I am raised up. That is the verse that you use as your point of contact, if you need one. Thank you for the healing power of God flowing now through her body. In Jesus' name, be made whole. Thank you. Amen. Hey, everybody, open to Isaiah 53 if you've got a Bible. I want to show you something just a minute. 
Because every there was three or four people while Lisa was praying, and when I when I reached over and touched you, I got a reply from you of condemnation. You're not worthy. You think you're not worthy. I'm going to read a scripture because let's kick that out so you can get healed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me read this to you, Isaiah 53, real quick. This is something that really helped me. Surely he bore our grief, sickness, and carried our sorrows, pain. We esteemed that he was stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was on him, and by his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity, the iniquity of us all. When If you came forward tonight and wanted to get born again, you realize that you would get saved because only what Jesus did. Yeah. You already know you're a sinner. Yeah. But you wouldn't even come up with any condemnation on you. You would throw it all off on Jesus. Jesus paid for it. I'm getting born again. Yes. The same faith that got you born again gets you healed. You've got to kick the condemnation off of you. Yeah. You've got to realize Jesus took your sin. So anytime the devil whispers to you and tells you, well, you're not going to get it because you've got to, you have to do this. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. You have to look at that scripture and say, he has laid on Jesus my iniquity. Yes. There is nothing stopping you from getting healed. So let me throw something at you. It's easier to get healed than saved. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. But we've turned that around like, oh, cancer. Yeah. But you were a heathen. Yeah. And he turned you into a son of God. Yeah. And you can't even get over a common cold. <laughs> Amen. 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 He, Jesus bore it. And I want you, I want you to look at that scripture and tell the devil to his face. He laid my iniquity on Jesus Christ. And he didn't but bear 99.9. That's why you call for the elders of the church, and he says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Of who? Him. Yes, of him. You Amen. took care of this of with him. your blood. So you have a legal right. So how many of y'all going to heaven? Well, you, if you think you're going to heaven, why can't you at least get a healing? I mean, if he's going to give you a mansion, he ought to at least give you a donut. <laughs> Do you understand? You, you've accepted by faith the billion-dollar mansion, yeah. but what about the 25-cent healing? Exactly. Yeah, That's he bore good. it. He bore it all. So throw off on him. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Yeah. Now, the, the anointing is on you to bring that to pass. But resist, no, I don't carry that. You've got to verbally mm -hmm. open your mouth and go, Satan, you don't put that on me. For the ones of you that are Womackians, now you all know who I'm talking about, Andrew Womack. Go back and read his book, um, Spirit, Soul, and Body, where he's talking about how he learned to get healed. He had to go in the living room one night and just got on his face and screamed at the devil all night long, Healing belongs to me. You're going to fight a little bit. But you've got to, you've got to look at that scripture, and, and every time the thought comes, are you, is he going to heal you? Who are you? you? You don't qualify. Well, we don't qualify for nothing. In the natural. But he made us. So that scripture, anyway, you got this. So this is what you're going to say. This is how you're going to take this home tonight. So you're going to say it now with me, and then you're going to say it when Satan brings anything contrary to this to your mind. Father, I thank you. I was sick, but I called for the elders of the church, and they prayed over me. According to James 5, I was anointed with oil. 
in your name, Jesus. And now, then and now, the prayer of faith has healed me. And I am raised up to do the will of God. And that's your story. And you're sticking to it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Amen. Feed on the word. Amen. Amen. Now, I've got just one little two-cent thing. You're out of time, lady. Man, I've seen you preach way past this. (laughs) I am (laughs) going to throw a challenge out to each and every one of you and my online friends. Hi, onlineers. If you, every time... You get ready to eat physically. If you haven't eaten spiritually, don't go to the fridge. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Eat me. Jesus said, man shall not live by natural bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. And his words from his mouth, you can start right here in this book. Challenge yourself to not eat one piece of food tomorrow. Let's see how much we don't eat or how much reading we do do. That you do not open that refrigerator so it looks like this in the morning tomorrow. You wake up, you might be a little hungry, but you don't get to eat breakfast because you haven't eaten of the spirit of the bread of life yet. But if you get busy tomorrow morning and you got to rush off to work, no food for you out of the fridge. You go to work, you work up until lunch, and on your lunch break... You open the Word of God, and if you don't have time to open your Word of God at lunch, you can't go to McDonald's. But I I would submit to you, or whatever, not, I didn't mean to say McDonald's, Melanie, but whatever, or eat your salad. I would submit to you that your stomach's going to start growling by that time. So if you want to eat, open your Bible and read Isaiah 53. However long it takes you to eat lunch at work, However long, 15 minutes to eat, you open your Bible, read 15 minutes or 10 minutes first of the bread of life, then you can have your salad or your hamburger or your steak or potatoes. Can you do that? Who will do that with me tomorrow? (laughs) Not everybody raised their hand. Like, I'm going to feed my belly. All right? Love you. Have a good night. Praise the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.